0: Hey, welcome to another edition of Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. This podcast is sponsored by Jaeger Partners. Really appreciate their support of Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. I Just wanted to let you know that if you're one of the audio only listeners, meaning you listen to this podcast on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, if you're one of the people who only listens to the audio version, thank you. You're awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, at the beginning of January, I started video podcasts, so you can hear it like you normally do, but you can also watch the podcast. So there's about five or six visual podcasts that are out there, and uh, you can find them on YouTube. So I encourage you to check them out. You can get links to all of this at www.santabarbaratalks.com, and uh, if you want to watch me talking to my guests, then. Uh, That's uh, available to you as well. So, uh, we're going to talk with Gordon Auchincloss now. He is a former deputy district attorney for Santa Barbara County, and he's doing a lot of great things as it relates to homelessness. So, um, let's just uh, dive right in. Thanks again for uh, listening to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with Gordon Auchincloss, who is a former assistant district attorney for Santa Barbara County. And um, I I got a chance to sort of get to know him, although after I've mentioned him to other people, I guess he's sort of a legend and icon in Santa Barbara County. Um, But I got to know him watching a Santa Barbara leadership team meeting uh, recently. And, you know, he's talking about housing and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Gordon, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, Josh. Uh, I was uh, part of the evacuation the other night, so uh, uh, that was certainly uh, dramatic. But uh, happy that the fire department was uh, able to handle that for us. So we're, my my wife's out; to, uh, she just baked cookies for them. So <laughs> that's that's what we're about today.
0: Yeah, it's amazing the work that the firefighters do uh, to to sort of, you know, prevent things from being much worse than they are. And we sort of get reminded of it every year, every couple of years. And we're just reminded of it again, you know, in this urban area where we're at. And we're also mixed into so many hillsides that just at any point, anything can happen. So we're so lucky. One of those things we we take for granted. Um, Gordon, I wanted to talk to you today about the issue of homelessness because we were, uh, you know, I was listening to the Santa Barbara leadership team meeting and so many big issues came up on the issue of how to handle the rising sort of tension that we've seen with homelessness in Santa Barbara County. And it's been around forever. You know, it's, it's an issue that has not really uh, changed much, although the COVID-19 pandemic is definitely sort of um, maybe exacerbated it, you know, and made it more visual in the last year. So I want to talk to you about what you're working on, because, you know, you talked about a navigation center for how to deal with homelessness. So I thought we could just sort of talk a little bit about what that means. And I just want to sort of just clarify too, you know, you've had this incredible decorated career in the district attorney's office, uh, but, but today you're, you're, you're retired. This is something you're doing in your volunteer time. Uh, You, you're, you're tackling this and you're working with a whole bunch of different agencies, but this is something you're doing on your own time, not associated with the DA, correct?
1: That's correct. And I, you know, it's important for me to uh, make that crystal clear that uh, I'm not speaking today of For any board or public agency or Joyce Dudley or the DA's office, uh, we're just having a chat about my own thoughts and experiences and what I've learned over the years in trying to uh, deal with this problem. And it's been something that's um, been at the forefront of my career as a DA. Obviously, uh, homelessness is uh, something that confronts the criminal justice system in a big way.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about what is in the in the conversation right now as it relates to how to deal with the rising sort of visual presence of homeless uh, people in Santa Barbara County. We know that Santa Barbara, just like a lot of coastal cities throughout California, is a place where uh, we're going to see homeless people. I mean, everybody wants to live here. Uh, obviously, you know it's a place where homeless people can can live. The climate is such that it's obviously less challenging than some other areas. We've had the COVID nineteen pandemic, and we're seeing sort of these rise in encampments all over. Um, everybody's affected because of the pandemic, and now you're sort of talking about navigation hubs, a place for them. Can you talk a little bit about? What that is, what that looks like, and what sort of the what's the idea behind how to how to house or take care or or or, or deal with the homeless at this point in time?
1: Well, uh, probably it's best to begin with um, you know what you just mentioned uh, the uh, incredible seeming increase in homelessness in Santa Barbara. Um, a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, COVID uh, is a big one. Uh, the CDC, uh, Center for De- Disease Control, uh, asked uh, uh, public agencies to stay away from encampments and not disturb them uh, because of the risk of, uh, you know, spreading the disease. Um, the uh, Caltrans uh, pretty much backed away from enforcement uh, along rights of way, so you know like we're seeing a lot of encampments along the highways. Uh, in addition. I think there were some, certainly some economic displacement issues that, that COVID helped push even further. Uh, but uh, before that, we have our, you know, we, we have the problems um, with respect to people who are chronically homeless mm. uh, that existed pre-existing COVID. Which, uh, as I think, when we chatted earlier, I was telling you about the uh, the, the high percentage of individuals that are dealing with mental health and drug and alcohol problems. So, um, uh, and then finally, I guess the last thing would be uh, the changes in the law. Uh, I, a lot of people have heard of the Boise decision, but uh, if you haven't heard of it, uh, this is a decision a couple of years ago where the federal courts came out and uh, basically mandated that, um, basically prohibited criminal sanctions uh, against homeless individuals for sleeping outdoors on public property when no alternative shelter is available. So, you know, in terms of code enforcement or telling people to quit trespassing and you can't sleep here, uh, that has uh, very much disappeared in a, in a big way because of the Boise decision uh, and the lack of shelter that can be offered. So a lot of moving pieces uh, driving this uh this new presence that we're we're seeing um getting to your question of a navigation center that's really um just one thing that i'd love to see um but uh in, in my work in the in the criminal justice system um i, I you know that, as i said before i i think it's critical that that you define what you mean by homeless you know some people who are homeless are living in an RV. Uh, some people in, who are homeless are young people who are uh, kind of enjoying the life on the road. You know, I've talked to them on the street. Uh, some people um, are at risk from becoming home uh, to becoming homeless. Some are economically displaced. But uh, uh, the the cohort or the group that concerns me the most, and I think is the uh, the one that uh, really can provide us uh, with the biggest win in terms of uh, a better community uh, while serving the homeless who are suffering the most and have the greatest needs is if we focus on the chronically homeless who are struggling with mental health and and drug and alcohol issues. So uh, that's that's my approach. how would you like me to proceed from here? I can tell you what my <laughs> thoughts are. I mean, I, I have some ideas about how we can move forward.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting topic because we tend to lump, you know, people who are not down in the middle of this tend to sort of lump the homeless all together, okay? Uh-huh. They're the people that they see, uh, you know, sleeping on the streets or, you know, they might see somebody who's, who's camping somewhere and it's all the same, to them, but the people who are actually dealing with the homeless, as you've articulated, you know, there's a, a, a very few number of people who take up most of the services, and it's really important to sort of identify who those people are and try to work with them and try to get them into some sort of support service program to uh, to help them, um, and and that's 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 really key. One of the challenges, though, is uh, you know uh, shelter, roofs over their heads. You know, so if you are able to, you know, you have a caseworker and you're able to help them, and if it's mental health issues and there's medication involved, those are fantastic things. But here in Santa Barbara, it feels as though there's just not enough uh, uh, space, uh, shelter, uh, roofs for people. Um, So, can you talk a little bit about? about how that is working or how that's happening you know if you've been around Santa Barbara you hear there's this group there's that group all these people there's all this funding that's going to everything you know we used to have a homeless day center you know we have we have path now we've got all these organizations that are always talking about homelessness but you know if you're a person who owns a business on State Street or if you're a tourist your local who's downtown you're like you know this is still an issue here in santa barbara so can you maybe sort of break it down it's sort of like what is the issue right now and, and how do we actually make some progress in this regard
1: well uh josh you know we are really blessed in santa barbara county to have some incredible organizations uh the rescue mission uh salvation army path uh up in north county we have good samaritan uh, so, so we have some really great shelter organizations that that uh, help us big time. Uh, so, and they continue to help us. So, you know, that is a relief valve for us. Um, that being said, uh, you know, we dramatically need to increase shelter to to deal with the need, uh, and um, that's something that you know, I, perhaps I can talk about here if you want. Yeah, uh, there there are some. Um, Uh, interesting opportunities that we have you know they hate the old saying never waste a good crisis Uh, well we have a big crisis right now with the encampments there's been an overwhelming uh, uh, increase in the number of them Uh, we know that they represent uh, uh, health and safety risks that uh, we have to address urgently uh, and immediately and um We have, I think, uh, I think we have the political will and I'm hoping the political courage at this point where we can come together, cities, counties, our county uh, organizations and and really focus on on outcomes that are going to be meaningful. And how are we going to do that? Well, obviously, it it takes money, right? (laughs) I mean, that's we start there. Um, and there are some great opportunities right now, incredible opportunities, opportunities we've never had before. Uh, you've heard about the $12 billion uh, that's coming down from Sacramento, uh, Governor Newsom's plan, and, and we'll see how that shakes out because we don't really know uh, how those dollars are going to be allocated. Uh, but um, another great source of um, uh, of dollars for us to deal with this problem is the uh, American Rescue Plan Act, uh, which is coming from Washington, ARPA. Uh, you know, two trillion dollars—that's uh, a that's a chunk of change—and that's going to make its way down uh, to uh, individual counties and individual cities. And um, Santa Barbara County, as I understand it, is is scheduled to receive um, uh, upwards of one hundred and seventy million dollars in in ARPA money. Now, now that's for COVID relief. Um, that just doesn't flow into the homeless coffers. Uh, But uh, the language in the bill, as as I read it, and as I think others are reading it, uh, does allow us to uh, use those funds to mitigate homelessness. So, you know, we do have this great opportunity with uh, money coming into our county, uh, where we can really make a difference uh, with respect to housing. uh, And also with the the services that we have to provide, because uh, you know, housing without services um, uh, is really uh, putting a band-aid on the problem. I mean, it's uh, uh, obviously we need the housing part, but uh, um, wraparound services, uh, I think, uh, are critical. And and the county, I think, recognizes that, and so do the the providers. So um, the money part of it is, you know, we, we need more. <laughs> It's, it's certainly not enough. Uh, it's not enough to uh, fix all the problems we, we need. So we're going to have to align our uh, spending uh, with things that, uh, wh- where we can do the most good. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, opportunity to make a change, you know, today's the day. And I think, um, uh, I, I think there's a lot of good uh, that's going to come of uh, the next few months in terms of our, Uh, uh, use of these funds and planning on how to how to use them effectively
0: what is the concept behind the the navigation center what what would that look like in terms of having housing and services for for homeless individuals I feel as though with the recent visual awareness of the encampments Mm -hmm. if you drive on highway 101 you're going to see the encampments and if you um, sort of look for them sort of around the bushes around highway one, you'll be surprised at how many you see. We just had the fire, it was not started as far as I know by an encampment, but we do know that a lot of these fires um, start uh, because people are trying to stay warm or they're trying to cook in these encampments. So I feel as though there's gonna be an added sort of pressure to, to do something quick so that we don't have this urban disaster. Um, What is the concept behind the navigation center and what would that look like?
1: Well, uh, you know, it's, it's a broad term and it sometimes uh, takes on different meanings, but the, the idea of a navigation center, uh, the type that I'm talking about uh, has, has beds, number one. Uh, So so it is a shelter, uh, but it also has the services to help uh, individuals with their housing needs. And, uh, you know, Getting a person permanent housing is uh, quite an endeavor, Uh, particularly someone who's chronically homeless, particularly, like I said, someone who's working through mental health and and substance issues. Um, And uh, each of these individuals, there's no uh, conveyor belt here. There's no assembly line here. Uh, Each individual has to be treated as an individual. They have individual problems. I mean, it could be as simple as something that's smoking in your room or a dog that bites. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, there are many, many complications, uh, but when you add in serious mental health issues, uh, things get complicate, really complicated in a hurry. So a navigation center uh, is designed to uh, identify and uh, address the individual needs of uh, uh, people coming into the system uh, and getting them the, the either whether it's transitional housing you know which is like bridge housing uh, shelter for the night uh, or ultimately you know the big goal permanent housing uh that's it's helped helps them navigate the system and um you know it, it's uh a, another component of that is getting them uh, what we call document ready because uh, obviously we want them to get the services and the uh uh benefits uh that are available to them but that's paperwork you know and uh, so it's another piece of the puzzle uh that we have to get ready so so navigation center is really a place uh that at least what i envision is uh, a shelter uh with a team uh behavioral wellness is involved um a i think what they call a multidisciplinary team with social services uh Public defender, uh, you know everybody's pulling on an oar, and the shelters are there as well as housing authority, and and you're really bringing together this uh, collaboration where everybody's trying to figure out okay how can we how can we get Joe uh, Joe's situation figured out uh, or Sarah's or or Billy's you know every one of them uh, is a is a new uh, a, a new problem on the chalkboard. So that's, that's that's the concept
0: that I envision. Are there other communities that have been successful at reducing or eliminating homelessness in their community? I know that um, there's that organization that you had mentioned, Built for Zero. Um, are, are there solutions out there? Are there models that Santa Barbara County can look to and say, let's do that?
1: I, You know, and that's just... You know, that's the million dollar question right there. I, I think, uh, you know, there have been so many efforts in the last decade to heal the problem of homelessness. I, as you probably know, we had a 10 year plan to, to end homelessness uh, that started back in 2006. And I've read that plan and it's a good plan in, in, in my mind. I, th- I thought it was well-written and I, I liked the approach. I don't know if it, the resources were sufficient uh, but I do know I, I did some research on this recently, and uh, back in the early two thousands, uh, it was George W. Bush who came up with the notion of housing first, and two hundred and thirty cities and counties signed a ten year plan to end homelessness uh, using the housing first model. And since then, we we we've, we've doubled our you know capacity, but unfortunately. Um, none of those communities was successful in, in truly ending chronic homelessness. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they weren't great efforts and they weren't important efforts. And they made a difference. You know, I'm not criticizing uh, that they, they, they were not good things. They were, absolutely. Uh, but the thing you just asked me is really exciting to me because um, this organization, Community Solutions, uh, has a plan called Built for Zero. I encourage your watchers and listeners to to check it out. Um, they have achieved something that is, to me, uh, just mind blowing because uh, uh, they they're just in the last, uh, I, I believe, four years, um, they have uh, they have eleven communities where they have ended veteran homelessness. They have five communities where they have ended chronic homelessness. And when I say communities, I'm talking about big communities like Rockford, Illinois. There's 600,000 people in that county. Um, You know, Bakersfield, California was one of them, one of our neighbors. And I've been talking to them about, you know, how how the heck did you guys do that? I mean, that's just like, it just seems so amazing. Uh, You know, Bergen County, New Jersey, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Abilene, Texas, all ended chronic homelessness. Uh, and then there's three that ended both, you know, Rockford, Bergen County, and Abilene ended both veteran homelessness and chronic homelessness. So, uh, you know, that seems to, they, they seem to be onto something and I, and they have a few little secrets to their, you know, their, their method. Yeah. Uh, but um, I am a hundred percent interested in, you know, figuring out how we can incorporate those successes in Santa Barbara County and our cities. Yeah.
0: You know, one of the, uh, I, I covered a meeting, it was a few years ago at the Louise Lowry Davis Center, and it was one of the most, uh, for me as a reporter, disappointing uh, moments <laughs> that I've experienced in terms of what Santa Barbara is. Uh, but, you know, this was this uh, proposal for some tiny homes that the Carrillo and uh, Castillo uh, commuter lot uh-huh. and there was uh, some funding or the, the the there was an application for a grant uh, that the county was going to do from the state and there was this belief they were going to get you know, you know a certain amount of money to try to build some tiny homes there for for the chronically homeless and a bunch of people came out and they spoke against it uh neighbors, people who live on Castillo Street. And obviously, uh, you know, this is your home and this is where you live and this is where you're raising your family. And it's totally makes sense that people would have these kind of uh, re- defensive responses to putting homeless and tiny homes up near them. It's, it feels like that would be a natural reaction for a lot of people because they don't really know what that looks like yet. But it was speaker after speaker saying, we love this idea, just not here. Yeah, And I felt as though it was, it was a little bit disappointing because, you know, it's progressive, woke, Santa Barbara <laughs> saying, not in my backyard. And many of the yeah. people who were speaking were the kind of people who would be advocating for homeless services, but not there, you know. And so I don't know if you saw that meeting or read any of the coverage, but can you talk a little bit about when we're talking about shelter and housing and looking at sites to sort of deal with the chronically homeless, how do you ever get around this concept of, of of putting it somewhere where where people don't want it? I mean, I don't know anyone who's going to say, yeah, put it right next to where I live.
1: Yeah. Well, again, uh, a great question. And, and uh, uh, you know, Quite often, the devil is in the details. And I go back to who are you talking about? You know, in Santa Barbara County, we have uh, an astonishing uh, housing authority in in the city of Santa Barbara. We have a world class uh, nationally, maybe internationally recognized housing authority. So uh, one of the things our housing authority in Santa Barbara does is they build incredibly quality. projects that not only fit into a neighborhood, but actually enhance them. If you go out and look at their their projects, they're gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, there is that sensitivity. Now, uh, with respect to um, the tiny homes uh, issue that you're talking about, um, there are different levels of uh, entry into uh, these shelters. And when I say that, um, I don't know, but I think the uh, tiny homes on Korea were going to be uh, very low barrier yeah. um, uh, facilities. And, and and what low barrier means is that, you know, uh, these are people who are not getting treatment, uh, who are not necessarily taking their mental health medication, uh, who are not being asked to uh, stop using methamphetamine or alcohol, uh, and so, you know, there's, uh, uh, I think there, there's legitimate reasons why people would be concerned about uh, individuals who are, are struggling with behavior uh, and being next door. Um, you know, I think it's I, this is anecdotal. I don't even know if it's, you know, I just heard this, but uh, that that, you know, at the Carrillo housing project across the street that housed homeless people, they didn't want it there either. <laughs> so, I right. mean, you know, yeah, right. the 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 thing you're talking about, I, everybody, I get it. Uh, And I don't think we should, um, uh, I don't think we should be critical because people want their neighborhoods safe and and peaceful. Um, So location is important. I mean, location is important, especially for low barrier housing. A couple of things that are going on is, uh, have you heard of the uh, uh, notion of scattered site housing? Yeah, no, no. Okay, so so scattered site housing is something that I'm learning about. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where we pair up an individual uh, with a particular apartment. So there's not a a group moving into a neighborhood. It's somebody who uh, there's a landlord involved. The landlord's willing to to take this on. There's going to be supportive services that are going to be coming out and and making sure that the individual is following the rules and taking care of themselves, and it's uh, uh, it's much lower. I mean, it seems to me to be much lower impact. Um, but uh, uh, getting back to your your question about uh, low barrier housing, um, it's uh, if we're going to put together a, a, you know a project of low barrier housing, I think location is just critical, and uh, you know it it is uh, uh, it limits our options but i don't think it makes them impossible
0: you know when you were talking about the funding coming from the state of california and uh, the federal government uh is is the funding for construction um is it for uh, actual building is it for um, people staff salaries um, it's obviously expensive to build things uh, yeah. and and then the, you know what kind of things do you build is it contemporary housing is it things that last for a certain amount of years and um, what's the funding sort of connection between actual structures or portable homes and- yeah
1: well so uh not my area of expertise but the way I understand it um there are different pots of money for different problems mm-hmm. uh there are some there's some money that's designed more for people who are struggling with economic displacement in other words they're not you know they're not chronically homeless, they're they're looking at losing their apartment because uh, uh, they lost the breadwinner lost his job or her job. Uh, So there are things like rapid rehousing uh, to keep people who lose their place, uh, get them immediately back into housing so they don't develop uh, into uh, a chronically homeless or extended homeless. there's uh, diversion programs. There are prevention programs. So, so there, is, there is money that that moves towards at the other end of the continuum for individuals who are not normally homeless and, and have the um, have the uh, uh, ability to be employed and make money. And you know they just need to we need to help them give them a, lip, a helping hand uh, to get out of uh, their their economic uh, problem. Um, but then there's you know money on the other end of it, and and the you know when we talk about something like the like a navigation center or uh, a center for uh, you know lower barrier or bridge housing or what have you, um, uh, that money uh, typically quite often uh, has a component of wraparound services that's essential. So um, and in my experience. Uh, the services can cost as much as the housing. Yeah, I mean, they, they're, it's, they're expensive. The services are very expensive. I think last year, uh, Santa Barbara had um, uh, $40 million that came in, it's countywide. You know, we, we got $40 million uh, assigned to uh, our homeless problem, uh, but only half of it went to housing. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's expensive and, and it is important to to get those services as well because uh, uh without them um housing retention and we don't get that kind of impact that we're looking for we're really helping those individuals
0: Let me put you on the spot here a little bit <clears throat> where's a good spot where would be a good place in santa barbara county santa barbara county is know it's so big it's so long you know it's like we we talked some people some years about splitting the county right north county south county two different counties if we had a a a navigation center um, if we had a place a piece of land where you could have this kind of housing and you could tie it to services and it's a place where neighborhoods aren't going to get upset because it's too close to where they're trying to raise their families um, you know perfect world where 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 is that piece of land where does that exist you know you and i were talking the other day about um you know isla vista and and sort of the encampments that popped up there um you know so it's like something like that you know isla vista is is causing problems you know so like what is where 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 could you put something like this
1: well you know uh, you have to be an optimist if you're going to engage in fighting for the homeless uh but uh, uh, I do think uh, uh, there's a path forward. And uh, as you know, you know, my goal is, you know, we need to have our parks protected. We need to have our downtown corridors uh, where people feel safe and where there's not public health and uh, concerns about, you know, being approached. and, you know, uh, we need to have our our our, our beaches um, and, uh, you know, are uh, highways and and, and train right of ways, you know, safe where people are not going to get hurt. Uh, so uh, we need that, and we need to protect and help the homeless and be compassionate and and provide shelter for them. So in in working with both of those things, um, I do think uh, there's a path forward. And and my approach right now, uh, the one you saw me talking about at the uh, leadership forum uh, was a collaboration. Uh, we do have, uh, a very, um, uh, a very wealthy, uh, a very, um, uh, you know, generous, uh, population. Uh, they'd love to see, uh, they'd love to help the homeless problem. Uh, and they'd also like to see, uh, their business corridors cleaned up. They'd like to see tourism uh, to be not to be impacted, and, and all the people the twelve thousand people who work in the hospitality industry, you know, they like you know, so they want to see that win win, and uh, that's where I'm focusing right now. I'm I'm talking to the business leaders uh, and our real estate uh, moguls, for lack of a better word, yeah. uh, landlords, people who have uh, real estate. And uh, uh, trying to get them uh, thinking about what do you want, what would you like to see, and how can you contribute. And uh, you know, in terms of location, um, you know, I mean, I as we talked, I've uh, it's funny. I was out in, in uh, I was out looking at a piece of property today that would probably be perfect. And okay. I, uh, I'm not going to tell you where it was uh, because it's uh, it's way too early. But I did talk to a good chum of mine who's uh, in real estate, uh, and he's uh, he knows the owners very well, and uh, he thinks that um, there might be a possibility for a uh, a win-win there, uh, where you know this this is a property owner who wants to develop their property. They're struggling with. Uh, approvals, they they need uh, a little more water. Uh, These are all things that, you know, if if there's the political will and courage to say, well, okay, and will you give us six acres or two acres or three acres? Or will you, uh, you know, work with us in uh, uh, creating a campus where we have a navigation center and tiny homes and and, uh, you know, housing and and what have you. So, you know, those are the collaborations I'm looking at right now is, is trying to get our our uh, public and private sectors aligned in a way where everybody gets a piece of cheese, so to speak. Yeah.
0: Let's shift gears a little bit, Gordon. Can we talk a little bit about you? You uh, obviously have had a very distinguished career uh, in Santa Barbara County, uh, and then you started your Solutions Corps. And... That's been very successful. What, you know, talk to me a little bit about like where you get sort of this this heart for wanting to make a difference and help the community. A lot of people in their retirement, you could be doing a million other things other than spending your days talking with real estate people or developers or property owners about a good spot for a navigation center. just taking back in time. Where, where does this come from? Why, why do you have these interests? And I just you know, just talk to me a little bit about where that comes from.
1: Well, I you know I um, uh, I felt so blessed to be uh, hired by the district attorney's office and to spend my career uh, uh, working in public safety and going into court and representing the people of the state of California. To me, that was like such a privilege and. Um, it was so gratifying to me. Uh, you know, I mean, I you see all these cop shows and movies about, you know, bad cops and prosecutors and, you know, that that just wasn't my experience. Uh, you know, like they're, they're, they're always going to be good people and, and people who are struggling more than others. But I, I just, my career was uh, uh, so satisfying to me to to be able to, get paid to go and make a difference every day. And I just felt like, you know, what a, what a gift that was to me. And so, um, uh, you know, I love making a difference. And when I got out of, uh, of the office, uh, Joyce knew that I was very passionate about homelessness because I tried to start solutions track, which is my North County, uh, uh court homeless program. Yeah. And, um, uh, I said, Joyce, you know, if, if, uh, if there's a chance for me to come back, uh, I'll work for free. I'm, I, I, this is something I believe in. I, I love my community. Uh, I, I get both sides of it. You know, we, we need to be compassionate and and take care of these people. And we need to, uh, do the same for our community and, and respect, uh, our open spaces and public spaces. Mm-hmm. And, um, it just, uh, was a good fit for me. I mean, I, it's, uh, it doesn't feel like work, you know? Uh, and I love the people, I love talking to the people that are working on it. You know, they're really good hearted people. Uh, so it's, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a great part of my retirement. I, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, 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 can't think of anything I'd rather work on. That's
0: really interesting. Take me back in time. Like when you were growing up, right. Uh, mm-hmm did you have any nexus or interface with homeless populations or, or homeless communities? Uh, talk to me a little bit about, you know, sort of your upbringing and, and you know, how, did you have a, uh, you know, a pretty good upbringing and it was it difficult adversity or, you know, you somebody who you always saw the homeless people and you're like, you know, I wish I could help with them or maybe talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, uh, you know, I, uh, I had, um, know in many ways i was blessed uh uh, in my upbringing and in many ways uh i had a lot of struggles um you know i i was a child of the 60s uh my mother and stepfather were both uh, serious alcoholics um and uh so i i grew up in that environment uh so i you know i saw firsthand uh the the trouble of substance abuse and and how it impacts lives. Um, My uh, brother died last year from alcoholism. Uh, So it's, you know, and, you know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, I was uh, definitely what you might call a poacher turned game warden. I think I I was, you know, I was a, a, you know, a young kid in the sixties that, you know, but for the grace of God, I could have gotten in a lot more trouble than I ever did. Uh, so you know, I, I definitely um, recognize that uh, um, you know there there is uh, a lot more we can be doing for our community. And I uh, I have to say my my biggest passion um, you wouldn't know it from this, but you know my biggest passion is is uh, uh, working with at risk kids uh, and. Very engaged with the uh, Council on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse uh, and their teen court program, uh, been doing that for 20 years. Uh, the Daniel Bryant Center. I don't know if you know about that, but it's such a gift to our community. Uh, the mentor program that Kata has. Um, you know, it's all about helping kids stay on track. And that's that's really, um, you know, I mean, that's that's the other end of the pipeline. If we if we just could do a little better job. Uh, helping kids who are struggling uh uh we have we have a lot less crime to deal with and so you know that connection was always very very uh evident to me so uh yeah that's i mean i I think that's probably it in a nutshell I, i see both ends of it uh you know the people who have made a complete mess of their lives and the kids who we really have an opportunity to uh make sure
0: that doesn't happen yeah I grew up in I like I like to say Galita but really all over Galita Santa Barbara my parents were, were renters so we moved often and um for a period of time before my father met my mother he was sort of in and out of homelessness and um you know, always hardworking, but lose a job. And, you know, so what, what he would do once he got kind of got his life together and, you know, uh, once he had me and everything, he still had all these homeless friends, like at Alameda Park, Pershing Park. And um, he would, he would take me to the park <laughs> and I would interact, you know, like on, on weekends with these homeless individuals. And, and these are exactly like, these are the chronically homeless people. These are the people who are, pretty much um, under the influence of some kind of substance all day. Uh, but it's funny because I do have sort of fond memories of this because, yeah. uh, you know, we would play cards, you know, and they would they would talk to me about their life stories and, you know, how they got into this situation. And they would always say, you know, don't ever start using drugs. Don't ever start drinking. You know, you're <laughs> going to be a good one, you know? And, that, yeah, 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 and yeah. so they were always trying to pass on these lessons, but it's, it's interesting, because I remember those days, you know, and you're just kind of hanging out and, you know, sort of uh, interacting with them in a way that's not like, oh, I'm scared, but you're just kind of a person, but sadly, you live on the streets, you know, and so, and if you go to Alameda Park today, you still, it's, you know, you see the same thing, you know, there's a lot of yeah. homeless people there, and of course, Pershing Park, uh-huh. so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, these things that we're dealing with, we've we've dealt with them for a long time, or we've sort of just figured out a way to, to coexist and make it all work. And the encampments issue has been such a big deal because it's so visual. And it's, for me, it's very sad. They just, you just see these individuals and all their stuff and they're like yeah. holy cow you know i i get upset if i come home and i don't remember where my toothbrush is or yeah. something. like it's such a very low level kind of inconvenience and then you yeah. have these other people who just their their homes are constantly changing and i i guess you know i wanted to sort of ask you about there are some really harsh opinions about homelessness in the community mm-hmm. there, there are people who who just have they're fed up you know they have zero tolerance uh Uh, you know the Santa Barbara recently said hey we want to we want to expand our sit Y ordinance to parts of Milpa Street and even though the Boise decision said it's pretty much not enforceable because you don't have any other where any other place for them to go you know there are people who say well why don't we just do this throughout the whole city just just get them out of Santa Barbara you know and so can you talk a little bit about um, the importance of approaching this situation in a in a non-emotional way, I mean these, these aren't these aren't people who who you know they're mentally ill. These aren't bad people who 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 want to be living in this this environment. You do hear that, oh, they just want to be homeless. They don't want to work. Um, they make a lot of money panhandling, you know. And I guess there's probably some of those individuals. But can you talk about the importance of seeing this problem as as uh, this is all of us. This we need to come to a solution. It's not about let's get that person or that guy out of town, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, how important is attitude in approaching this situation and working together and taking sort of the emotion out of uh, uh, how to reach a solution with it?
1: Well, uh, I have to say, I fall somewhere in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, for instance, uh, with encampments, um, uh, they're so dangerous that uh, I don't think we're going to be in a good position to uh, engage in the 19 to 20 contacts that n- normally occur before, you know, of street work, uh, before you, you you get someone moved. It's, um, there definitely needs to be outreach, yeah. you know. For instance, if, if we dismantle a dangerous encampment, I mean, Job one: Outreach. Get, get in there, start talking to them. They probably know them anyway. Most of our uh, outreach workers, but get in there uh, and uh, you know, start explaining to them. Here's here's what's happening. It's too dangerous. It's too you know, uh, it's unhealthy for you to be in here. Uh, and we're going to uh, uh, you know, we're going to have to to clean up the encampment and uh, then give them notice. Plenty of notice. I mean, more the better. But you know, I, it, it it could be seventy-two hours. It could be a week. It could be two, whatever. But mm-hmm. but give them notice and say, here's here here's the date. Uh, then uh, reach out to them with shelter, and, and say, and we want to provide you with shelter. I mean, another thing I'd like to do, and I'm I'm not sure how much traction this is going to get, but uh, I'd like to to see us uh, have safe camping. Where we not only offer shelter, but if you want if you want to sleep in your tent, um, you can sleep in your tent, and 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 we're going to have it uh, in a place uh, where you're not going to be defecating on the on the ground outside your tent. There's going to be sanitation there. We're we're going to have uh, people there to help you and give you services and and you know showers if even you know, um, so you know. I do think it's going to be one of these things where uh, there will be code, what they call, you know, code enforcement uh, to uh, remove people who are trespassing in dangerous areas uh, that are fire hazards, and uh, you know, you could get killed by a train or a semi. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, I I think there is going to be um, Uh, kind of a a middle ground there but uh absolutely we need to we absolutely need to approach it with compassion and we have to need we have to approach it with uh alternatives and choices uh and dignity when i say dignity i mean um not just put people in a in a big tent with a bunch of beds you know they need a place to store their stuff you know if they have a dog that has to be taken care of we need to uh be mindful of um Uh, you know, uh, maybe their partner or what have you, especially mindful of their health needs. So uh, yeah, approach it from a a pure compassion point of view. And I do think the, uh, you know, society and our communities uh, should be directing uh, our homeless to uh, safe shelter. And I think that's where there's a responsibility on both sides you know there, there is responsibility for the homeless to to you know take advantage when they can of the safe shelter uh and and there's a there, there are exceptions that you know they're struggling so much with mental health issues that they just they're freaked out by that yeah. so there's no perfect uh perfect uh outcome for everybody but i do think for the majority uh we can Uh, navigate them into shelters and it's our job to to do that Uh, and not just say leave people sleeping wherever they want to sleep that's that's not good for the community it's not good for the homeless yeah
0: yeah you talk to the downtown business owners of course you know and that's their big issue is we can have our private security remove them from our property but then if they're out on State Street on the public property, well, what good is that then if they're blocking an entrance? I wanna ask you one more thing before we wrap up. Um, I touched on it earlier, but um, Isla Vista, you know, we've had those encampments pop up in Isla Vista uh, during the pandemic. Um, what do you think of that situation? And is there an out to that other than you know just going in there and removing them? Um,
1: well, you know, it's complicated. I, I was actually out there today uh, doing my when I was doing my rounds, looking at some real estate, and you know, I was just checking up on it and seeing it because I hadn't been there in a few weeks. But uh, you know, Isla Vista has been—it's been a great opportunity for me to have an upfront view of what happens when you have low-barrier housing in the middle of a community that just takes over the park. That that encampment is particularly troublesome. Uh, the fentanyl use out there. And methamphetamine use is—it's uh, off the charts. I mean, it's—you know—I've seen uh, buckets of syringes that they've collected uh, when they do a cleanup. And um, you know, when you have drug problems uh, and uh, homeless individuals, they're—you're they're, going to have theft problems. And so, you know, bicycle theft out there has just been rampant, uh, as well as all other types of theft. So. Um, and then, you know, some crazy behavior that that uh, many of the students have seen that that uh, nobody should have to see. So uh, uh, it's been an interesting uh, experiment because uh, we did put tiny homes out there, as you know. You know, we put pallet shelters, 20 pallet shelters out there. And um, unfortunately, in, in my experience, even though that helped, uh, it really did not hasn't changed the dynamic out there. It's still, uh, in my opinion, a high risk encampment, uh, even though I, I, I think they've mitigated the fire issues. So, um, what happens? That's a good question because uh, the Isla Vista Parks and Rec District, I mean, they, they're an amazing group. I, I've worked with them. They, they absolutely have uh, gone above and beyond the call of duty because they're, they're not in the homeless business, but they've been managing this thing through COVID. Uh, but uh, the, there, there is a, a date in June, supposedly, when that's going to be closed. Now, I don't know where we're going to get the housing vouchers or the housing, uh, the shelter that we, we really need to do to, to comply with Boise. Uh, I also, you know, the, uh, the ballot shelters are, are going to be moved to Lompoc. So um, those people are going to be displaced as well. Yeah. So I chatted up the, my friends out there today, and uh, they're, they're all scratching their heads still. They don't, they don't know what's going to happen in, in June, yeah. uh, but I, I'm sure there's a plan that, uh, that I don't know about, but uh, it's, uh, it, it's been an interesting eye fall. <laughs> Well,
0: Gordon, I really appreciate you taking time to, to talk about all the good work that you're involved with and all the organizations you're working with and everything you're doing to help sort of be part of the solution to this challenge that we're facing with um, homelessness in the in the community. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are, are doing stuff and it looks like you're really trying to help people come together and, and pull together and sort of be working on a solution that uh Maybe we'll see some progress, and so um, you know, kudos to you for just tremendous amount of volunteer work you're doing on this issue. it's not it's not easy, it's not glorious at all, but you care a lot. and um, I think uh, you know we owe it to you to you know appreciate everything that you're doing. So
1: good luck well, going forward. really appreciate that, Josh and and you I think you know a good place to end is uh, what you just said. Uh, uh, if we pull together. I mean, there are a lot of resources in this county, and we're still struggling to de-silo those resources. And if we pull together and really organize and, you know, I think there needs to be some um, alignment, uh, you know, of reality and some alignment of resources. uh, I, like I said, I'm an optimist. I really think we can make a a significant difference in the quality of life for uh, our community and for the homeless. I mean, I, I truly believe that. And I think we can do it in, in, you know, in short order, you know, given the the great resources we have to, to, to move quickly with the money and uh, some of these great uh, you know, housing opportunities that, that can go up quickly.
0: Yeah. It's, I guess, uh, you know, we got to be optimistic, right? You know, eventually, you know, we'll figure it out. And uh, these other communities, you know, the functional uh, zero is really yeah. uh, something to 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 look at as well. So thanks a lot, Gordon Aukencloss, for your time. Appreciate it. And good luck to you.
1: Thank you, Josh, for inviting me. It was great to chat with you.
0: All right. Thank you. Take care.